Pop Talk and Aliens, the William Clear Podcast. COVID is a year old. God, are you out there? I don't know. doesn't really matter because she is. And she's always right. And she's sticking to her guns this whole time. I am William Clear. This is Pop Talk and Aliens and it is a podcast. And it's a very special episode because I have to tell you of all the alien episodes I've done of this show. I'm very proud of all of them. I think they're all fun. I think they're all enjoyable. Very, very happy with them. This one, though, is, is on a different level because I'm speaking with Jason Gilmet of UAP Studies Podcast, who is an actual UFO, UFO investigator, and his podcast talks to other UFO investigators. So he knows what he's talking about all over the place. And, you know, it's a different level of UFO talk. And we talk about the entire spectrum of ufology, UAPs, the greys, Bob Lazar, abductions, what it's like to be a UFO investigator, you know, delineating the, the bullshit from the facts. It's fascinating. I had a great time and I cannot wait for you to hear it. So let me wait just long enough to tell you that Pop Talk and Aliens is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free trial of Audible. That's 30 days and a free audiobook just by going to the special link, which is audibletrial.com slash poptalkandaliens. That's audibletrial.com slash poptalkandaliens. Over 200,000 titles on Audible. They have their own original material. You can listen on your phone. You can listen on your Alexa device. You can listen on your computer. You can download uh, the books so that you can listen to them when you're offline. It is absolutely fantastic. And you could try it free for 30 days. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Aliens. You can message us there. You can, you can check out the, the funny stuff we post and be updated about new shows. So having said all that, let's get deep, way deep into it with Jason Gilmet. UAP Studies podcast right now. We are here with Jason Gilmet of the UAP Studies podcast. Jason is a boots on the ground investigator. Thank you so much for taking your time. Jason actually investigates this shit. Doesn't just sit up on an ivory tower just talking about old stories and what everyone else does. <laughs> I do that too. <laughs> you got to have hobbies. <laughs> well, it's a great hobby to have. All right, so we were just talking, uh, before we got started, talking about doing these types of podcasts, and I was talking about how your podcast is very educational. You talk to investigators, you're an investigator yourself. So what do you do, like we were talking about before, to cut through the noise of all the many UFO podcasts there are out there and, you know, get heard, be different? Well, yeah, because it, it's... <clears throat> like we were talking, it's very easy to get lost in it because we were talking like two million almost podcasts out there. Um, looking into the uh, UFO sort of subject, especially when it came down to the podcasts. I mean, there are a dime a dozen. There's a lot of great ones, and there's a lot of ones that are just sort of repeats of what everybody else is doing or saying. And the thing is, unless you know you want to rehash old cases that we've all heard time and time and again. It would be better if, like, I can actually learn how to investigate new shit for myself. And the concept that um, I had for the podcast was that, you know, I'm going to learn how to become 
a UFO investigator and I was going to do that and was going to join MUFON, get some cases. And then I was going to pick the brains of the people who who were already in the field uh, doing field investigative work. And I thought, well, why don't I record it? And so there I have the recording of a session I have with somebody who's an expert. And I thought, well, why wouldn't I share that recording with other people? Because what if somebody else out there, let's say some kid in India uh, or some kid in uh, Iceland, or I'm saying kid could be any grown up uh, wants to take the helm and start investigating. How do they do it? There's no courses. There's no university. There's a lot of people trying to put out some supplies out there, but <clears throat> there's no go-to guide. And ufology is a mixed box. Like seriously, it's, there's so much crap to it that, you, you know, most organizations you join them, they'll give you a book, you know, about an inch and a half thick ufology a book would be like you know an encyclopedia series you know that you would need to cover this subject so it would just wasn't um especially with the stuff i was reading it's very insightful but you need experts in every field and i thought you know what i could what if i talk to somebody who's uh, an expert in black triangles we got uh, david mears coming on uh soon to talk about that well we got uh, people specialize in abduction um, and, and of scientists, uh, we got the scientific coalition, um, for uh, UAP studies coming on, um, you know, all these scientific organizations and people that you thought weren't interested in studying the subject. No, no, they are. And that's why they're coming on the podcast and talking about, okay, well, what's the approach? What's the logical approach to doing this? And what's the scientific approach? Like for you, Bill, um, where are you located? I am in Rockland, California, Okay, just outside Sacramento. Nice. Okay, so let's say you're a new field investigator and you get called out and all of a sudden there's like a, a mutilated horse. And it's a classic case, a mutilated horse, um, genitalia missing, eye, brain, tongue, all seems to be laser cut. When we say laser cut, we just mean precisely without any mistakes, just removed, no blood. Um, right. If you're a new investigator what the hell do I do? I've never done one of these before. Do I need to stop at home hardware, get some equipment? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, they don't talk about that. You know, they say, oh, we went out in the field investigate. Okay, but if I want to do it, what do I need to do? And unless you're going to sign up for some courses or be able to travel worldwide to, you know, hang out with these guys to learn on the field, having at least some sort of audible uh, platform to be able to listen, okay, well, you know, I'll look through and like, oh, okay, he's got four... Uh, cattle mutilation experts. So I'll, I'll listen to that. By the time you're done listening to that, you kind of know what you need to do. And that was the mm -hmm. concept behind the podcast was something that was outside the, just talking about UFOs was about how to actually engage the listener and to get up like myself and get moving, get to doing something. Well, it's such a great idea and it's, you do it so well. It's, um, it's like you said, it, well, to be honest, I sit here and rehash old stories. It's kind of what got me into this, doing this whole podcast. And, but, but we need that. Person. We need that. Yeah. Well, right. It's fun. It's And I try to talk about things different. My whole thing is I just want to give it a little bit of humor, give it some personality, because one of the first things I ever really wanted to sink my teeth into in UFOs was Roswell. My brother told me the story about it, and uh, 
when I was young, and I would watch all these shitty documentaries. Remember the yeah. 80s documentaries? Oh, do I ever? Yeah. The shoulder pads with like, remember the glasses? Like yes. your cheeks needed glasses? <laughs> the reporters always had those huge glasses. The shoulder pads. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it would always be this like really shitty recreated footage of lightning and a guy in a cowboy hat walking around on his farm going, what the Sam hell? On the night of January 3rd. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. God. So they never told you a full story. It was either uh, they were trying to sell you that it was an alien or they would say, oh, it turned out just to be a weather balloon. So I wanted to tell the whole thing, both sides, joke about it, be able to see the humor because there is always humor. But, and I've probably said this ad nauseum on this podcast, but that was in 2015 that I started and there wasn't a whole lot going on in the current UFO public awareness like in the larger right. public awareness and over the last few years it's become such a i don't know craze i guess i don't know if it's the right word but it's been it's become part of what people talk about it's on national news it's on national tv podcasts how many more are there now than there and were it's great yeah it's great that we've gotten to this point Yes. That it's even this far. I wouldn't even have thought that we would get this far in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. You know, and the fact that they're talking about it, that you got the, you know, June report out soon, which trust me, people will be talking about it a lot more uh, come the end of June. Uh, people like yourself, you know, you've had interest in this for a long time. And, you know, for a long time, talking to certain people, I'm sure, fell on deaf ears. Um, assuming I just want to deal with the subject. I just don't want to deal with sub the subject because unless it's thrust in somebody's face and they don't have to pay attention to it, but they don't understand that they don't have a choice. This is, you know, it's, it doesn't matter whether, you know, we live in two different countries. This situation makes us very fucking close, very close. Yes. yes. And I, I, uh, I should mention that Jason is in Canada and, um, I actually, that's something I wanted to, to ask you about the June report that's coming out that was stuffed into the other bill <laughs> like we like to do in this country. Um, actually, that was one that everyone agreed on. Yeah. It was everyone fights over the little things. But everyone was like, no, no, UFOs, that's good. Put that yeah. in. Put that in. COVID stimulus package. Um, do you have any idea, any thoughts about what might come of that? Are there going to be any revelations, do you think? Is there any stuff we haven't heard that you think uh, might be coming? Okay, so um, I think the approach is kind of like when you're dating in, you know, let's say you know, 12th grade, you know, <laughs> go to first base first. If they're okay <laughs> with it, go to second. <laughs> Wait a bit, you know, a couple of dates before you go to third. Um, and that's exactly what they're going to do because I think they're going to drop something um, fairly moderate, I think, in size um, and being a scope of like, okay, we definitely think these are entities of another location. Just saying that um, they don't have to show us the crafts. I understand if the crafts need to remain classified. I fucking get it. Mm -hmm. But admitting to the people that the people are not crazy, that you know, the people that are either experiencing things 
or have witnessed things or the people that even had their lives ruined because of this secrecy. And that's another aspect of things that we don't think about. Okay, well, disclosure, that's great for everybody like us that had nothing to lose, nothing at stake in this secret. But you think of guys like Bob Lazar and his life got mm -hmm. fucking uh, turned upside down. Yep. And think about how many people like him in the past have had families threatened, their own lives threatened, or actually killed, disappeared, um, just things mess with their lives all because of this. So, yeah, at first it's great, the amount of disclosure, but there's going to be like a Me Too hmm. movement of, you know, people that were silenced or, you know, all of a sudden that's going to come out because it's not classified information anymore. Uh, and like I said, there's going to be some sort of people are going to demand accountability from the. Yeah, that's a really good analogy, actually, because to summarize it, you're right. For every Bob Lazar, there's one, obviously, but for anyone who's come out publicly like that, how many reputations and lives have been destroyed? People will never know about behind the scenes, policemen, military people, anyone who's come forward to someone and then just gotten squashed yeah. and made fun pilots. of. Pilots. Yeah. So it's not just government. We're talking about like, yeah, you think about how many pilots have been grounded or career destroyed because they reported same thing with police officers, like 82% of all cases that are huge involve police officers. And I, I find it funny if a police officer finds it funny when somebody mentions, oh, you might have one of these cases and he, ha ha ha. It's like, no, dude, like, why are the police forces being trained of like, look, you're going to be out there at night in the middle of the you know, morning. You might come across this, you know, um, and again, it's like the whole not training the people that should be trained, not advising the people that should be advised and all for what? What was the point of secrecy? Now, it's either the technology is so juicy that you just cannot tell anybody because you just like, oh, you're like this close of like, you know, having it, you know, rebranded and, and selling it at Best Buy. Or there's something legitimately fucking scary about this phenomenon. And it's not just the taking of people and the experimentation. It's what if it is true that there's a multitude of species and we're talking a wide variety of species, like could be up to a thousand. We can't control their comings and goings. Not all of them are benign, but some of them have not our interest at all in mind. Uh, you think even about the way cattle are found, uh, mutilated, humans are found the same way. Never talked about, but they're found the exact same way. Now they become police investigations because it to them looks like a murder, but these people are found the exact same way these animals are. So I don't think it's the same species. You know, everybody's like, oh no, these ones mean love. And the tall ones, you know, mean, it's like, I don't care. Like, I don't know who's who, I don't care. But if something is attacking people, hurting people, that it, I think that's why they can't tell people like, oh, we can't protect you from any of this, by the way. Um, if they decide to come in the middle of the night to take you or your kid, um, just don't call us because you'll <laughs> you'll clog up the lines. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's what I mean. This whole thing's gonna have repercussions because there'll be a whole list and we're talking millions of people they're going to be royally pissed and uh, and for good reasons. You know, most of us, like I said, I, I can approach this quite detached because I've had nothing at stake. 
But some people, you know, like even Lazar for 30 years to have gone through what he's gone through, being shunned, um, being mocked and ridiculed and fucker stuck to his guns, though, didn't he? Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And and he really didn't try to get attention. I mean, he was gone for a long time, just out of the public eye. Didn't want to talk about it. He wasn't making money on it. You know, something that's interesting that I actually heard on your show, you were talking to an abduction expert, and he was talking about how when he's talking to people who have these stories and he's kind of drawing them out and finding out who's telling the truth and who just wants attention, and I think he said that people who keep barking at him for attention, that's sort of a red flag that they're maybe not necessarily telling the truth. They just want to be heard. They want to tell a story, that kind of thing. Versus the people who are more standoffish and who are willing to talk, but are not in your face, you know, over and over. You got to hear this. You got to hear this story. Yeah. Publications put us in your, in, in your thing. Bob Lazar is that one, you know, he's told a story. He was gone. And then he resurfaced in the documentary that Jeremy Corbell did. But his attitude was the same. The story was the same. His whole thing was just, hey, this is what went yeah. down. You know, you can believe it or not. Even encourage you, like if you get your hands on his book, Dreamland. Yes, it, it's worth it because I think he explains himself a thousand times better in writing than he has ever done audibly. Um, I think, like he explains himself well, but when he wrote it, he has an ability to write to actually make you feel like. You were right beside him as these events were taking place. And he does lead you to like, okay, well, this is what was happening. And this is how I approached it. This is how they were contacted. It, it was a clusterfuck of both their faults. It was the handler that he had, this guy named Dennis, that wasn't given any information, kept him in the dark. You know, all of a sudden he's bringing him in to, you know, register his gun because he's got to start carrying a gun. Why? Well, the Russians you were working with, somebody got him. Because they had a breakthrough, and all of a sudden, either Russians got them, or another group got the Russians that was working at S4 concerning what they found. But there was some sort of breakthrough, and then they got wept, swept away. You know, and Bob's not, like, he still doesn't fucking get it. Like, he's still trying to wrap his mind around the fact that they brought him in, like, oh, work on this. Okay, what is it? Oh, some fun alien technology from somewhere else. Now tell me how it works. <laughs> By the way, we need to register this this gun because uh, people like yourselves are going missing. Right. <laughs> like, you know, a state of paranoia. And I think between that, like he he did a disservice to himself too. But I could see how uh, the handler and the way the government was working at the time, compartmentalizing, keeping everybody in the dark. And if you have any sort of like you know phobias, you might be watched. And he was mm -hmm. all the time. Uh, that shit's changed since then. I mean, you're being probably followed by drones now, but back in the 80s, that was a huge deal. And to keep in mind how significant Bob Lazar is, he put S4 in Area 51 on the map. Yep. And he also forced all of them to move their shit somewhere else out of the, the state. Like, the, none of those crafts are there anymore. They had to move the whole operation because of him. So he left a, he left a dent in um that department for sure and i'm sure they changed a lot of the ways that they approached us because they weren't expecting him to do that you know yeah, he really did 
that alone, putting Area 51 on, on the map, it, figuratively and literally, he changed the game with that. I mean, people have talked about recently a lot of the things that he said back then that have come to light now that we've seen he wasn't just making a bunch of shit up. But that alone, just the attraction to Area 51 that was created by him talking about that story, and then the government kind of had to be forced to admit it when before yeah. they were straight up saying nothing yeah. is there. There was nothing. It wasn't like, oh, you know, we've got maybe some stuff that and it was no. It's just desert. I don't know what you're talking about. There's nothing. Do you, know, do you know what it reminds me of? It's, it, you know, this is going to sound bad, but it's kind of like you being touched by like an uncle in the family and everybody knows, but everybody pretends it's not happening and it says that you're crazy. You know, it's a yeah. weird analogy, but that's precisely yeah. what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Exactly what they're doing. That they know what's going on and they're keeping shut because as long as, look, they don't need to, you know, whatever's out there is out there. They're not going to recant it. They just don't need to add to the information we already know. Right. Yep. And it's just, omission is the same thing as lying. Mm -hmm. if, hey, as long as they don't find out, we don't need to tell them. It's a need to know basis. Yep. Um, it's the same as I always use Roswell as a touchstone because I feel like it's got everything. It's like the big blockbuster story. It's big, you know, it's got everything that you can compare things to. It's the same type of thing with that where bodies, what are you talking about? Bodies? Oh, the stories come out. Oh, it's crash test dummies. Yeah, yeah that's right. All right. It wasn't a weather balloon. You're right. It's, it was a radar balloon. It's, it's like what you're talking about. We'll tell you this much to keep everyone quiet. And then the more pressure that comes, the more and more people that find out, then they got to give you a little bit more and then they got to give you a little bit more. And like you said, a lot of people, their lives get ruined by these things. And I was thinking about um, Betty and Barney Hill the other day and Actually, when I was listening to that same podcast of yours about abductions, but um, if I can just jump to another topic, kind yeah, of go ahead. Going into <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I'm going to bounce to something else here, but it's it's tangentially related. Do you think Betty and Barney Hill, <clears throat> by a, doing what they did, hypnotic uh, regression and everything, going through what happened? Did they do themselves a disservice? Was that maybe ultimately extremely important in literally being able to recall? Did they recall well, that, real I things? think, you know, even I would say with the people that I've, I'm working with, that depends on the individual. Um, if the individual senses that something happened and for them it's a sense of closure, they want to start exploring hypnotherapy to see if they can unlock what seems to be blocked there. It's weird because we're still on the fence. I mean, I'm, I'm um, you know, a student, if you will, of, of the alien abduction. I, you mm -hmm. know, I've read Dr. Max books and Bud Hawkins. I mean, I've been obsessed with the subject since I was a kid, but for some reason we can't figure out <clears throat> if the experience is traumatic or if it's only traumatic after the fact, right? Right. What we know 
what these entities do is that if they're going to interact with you, they're going to have the upper hand, meaning they're going to numb you. So the first thing you might notice is your, your mind just almost comes at half wit. Um, the other sensation is that you might wake up in a night that, you know, you just, you hear like a knocking. You're the only one who hears it. And all of a sudden you start feeling heavy and, and, and just like this electrical surge almost feeling comes over you and you can't move. And all of a sudden lights go out. You wake up two hours later, no idea what happened. It's almost like they do it intentionally to, to block your memory. You're not supposed to remember and probably for good reason. You know, probably the history of them doing that. They know there's post-traumatic stress and some people probably don't respond well to it. If they erase the memory, you don't know what happened. Your body does though, your subconscious does. Mm -hmm. I think that's what people feel unnervous or uh, uneasy after the fact, because you know, part of your reptilian brain fucking knew something just weird happened, not normal business nine to five. You know, this was <laughs> definitely off the books, <laughs> felt off the books. Yeah. And yeah, and that's exactly what it is for these people. And I know that if somebody's, um, you know, ever heard of that experience, doesn't know what that feels like. So basically it's just imagine that you're a fish in a fishbowl, you know, the castle and you know all the rocks and that's all you know. But every once in a while you get plucked out of that fishbowl and you see some weird freaking things and you feel weird and then you're put back and like, oh, uh, maybe I just imagined it. And you just go on to your little fucking castle in your rocks. Well, that's the same thing that's happening to us. Uh, except it's on a global scale. And if for whatever reason, some people remember, some people don't. There's one-offs, which means that let's say I'm an abductee and I'm a kid. And one day you're a friend of mine, you come sleep over and I get taken that night. You're getting taken too. <laughs> it's just <laughs> by, because you were close to me, you're, you're it. So those mm -hmm. are the one-offs and you'll hear about those occasionally. Uh, but usually it's because they were with somebody who was specifically targeted, somebody who has been um, taken repeatedly since a young age. And unfortunately, if they're with somebody at the time, whether even their spouses, uh, their spouses are taken eventually as well, unless the spouse cannot produce uh, children. If it's a female and she cannot produce children, she will not be taken. And there's been an incident where a woman remembers her husband's uh an abductee and she was woken up and brought outside by what she described a gray and when they neared this this craft in the backyard <clears throat> this entity that looked like what some people classify as like a lizard looking type creature uh reprimanded the little guy and she could wow. hear almost like their thoughts and he he was reprimanded like not her she can't have children bring her back and so they brought her back because she's infertile. So there has something to do with fertility. Um, and especially if your spouse is fer fertile as well, most likely there'll be some sort of, at some point your spouse will have some sort of experience as well. Uh, so just that alone, just the fact that other people that are related to those people now become a target as well, that's something else that needs to be addressed because it's not just that one person anymore, their children, become abductees um, and then her spouse starts having experiences as well. So um, it's passed beyond just one person. It's actually, we're talking families. Do you think that um, as has been theorized by some 
that there is literally a secret agreement no. that was no. signed. No. I think that was funny. They had a meeting and they signed a contract. Like, okay, aliens, can you grab this thing you don't understand and put a squibble here? And we're going to hold you to this. Like, like, what a load of shit. We come up with the dumbest stuff. Yeah. I no, there's thought about that. Yeah. I always thought about that meeting. They hand out the paper and fucking the alien signs it. And Do we shake hands? <laughs> it's, there's millions of years yeah. ahead of us or whatever they are. And they're like, no, no. No, you put that X on that piece of paper. No, Mr. Glang, we um, we uh, noticed that you're taking a lot more people than you agree to. Um, <laughs> it's not state. Your contract said 500 people per year, and you're exceeding <laughs> over 1 million. Uh, so, like, how would you even hold them to that? That's so dumb. Um, I know I, I, but that's the problem with ufology is that you got a bunch of, of things like that, that if you reason it out, how the hell does that make sense? Like, you can't have an agreement with... I think, you know, if there's a, a you know, the Israel uh, general that recently disclosed, you know, he ran this uh, Israel yeah. space program for 30 years. And he ended up saying, oh, yeah, well, there's actually like a federation of sorts of mm -hmm. entities. And um, they have, it, you know, okay, so what are they doing here? Because if there's a federation, do you think our little nuke weapons or a little space force that we're coming up with? <laughs> <laughs> is anywhere to hold them off like a federation are you kidding me uh so again like whenever i hear stuff like that like oh no well, don't worry like the american government could fight the ets if you base ourselves off our own movies that are made in hollywood uh but it's not realistic that technology is um it's also it affects the mind there's something about how we mm -hmm. react to them their technology that's creepy uh, it's either like, you know, cause a lot of people mentioned they see a rod and the rod seems to be the thing that controls whether or not they can move. So obviously us being bigger threats, being super emotional as well. Um, it's been told they have feelings, but they don't feel the way that we feel and because we're, we're driven by emotions the same way as, uh, apes. I, I keep mm -hmm. telling people watch apes cause that's what mm -hmm. we are. Uh, watch them in their reaction. They're, they're very aggravated, very easily emotionally. And it makes them unpredictable, makes them violent. And we are violent. That hasn't changed. Uh, our ways is the same ways as the medieval age. We just have way better fucking weapons now to kill way more people. So our mentality is the same. Hasn't changed. So we're volatile. And that makes any work that they would do with us, especially if we don't understand what the hell they're doing, because how could we if it's an alien? You know, that's impossible. Mm -hmm. um, but we would then it turn volatile because what we don't understand, we consider a threat. Threat must be neutralized. Again, now this brings me to my point. Are we okay knowing that governments are making a decision on our behalfs to shoot them down? Right? right. That's one of the things that kind of scares me even and especially entices me about things like the the June report coming out, like you said, going to first base, second base, third base. And um, is that home run? <laughs> right? Does there come a point where the ball goes over the fence and they say, yes, we've fucking shot these things down before. Yeah. And risking the galactic federation, like the, the Israel uh, general said, yeah. Risking them deciding, you know what? Fuck these people. They're shooting us down. They're they're giving you know they're putting space force out there enough is and enough. Tear up the contract. Yeah, one country at a time. 
you know, because you could have China that shoots them down, Russia shoots them down. Right. Like Russia came out with a, a rocket and they were boosting, like it goes 27 times speed of light. 27 times. <laughs> Why the fuck do you need something to go 27 <laughs> times the speed of light? Like you need to kill something yesterday? It's like, because you're trying to hit something that moves fucking fast. Yeah, right? Down, uh, That's the only reason why you would have something that goes that speed. And blow up Umu. Yeah. And same thing with the states. The states have their own program. They shoot them down. And all countries have dispatched planes, uh, jets to intercept. And there have mm. been moments where those planes don't come back. The pilots don't come back. And those are the ones that, you know, I'm expecting the most out of these reports are the military uh, interactions, casualties mm. of interaction with these things. Uh, I don't think it's intentional whether or not, but you know what? If we're scrambling jets, we're like, okay, operations that they don't respond, you shoot them down. Well, like that Iranian uh, fighter pilot back in the 80s that was dispatched to intercept one, when he went to fire on it, his whole plane got shot off. Like the minute he flipped the switch, wow. it just it, like it read his mind. The minute he went to hit the button, he's like, "Up, oh, sorry, give you a shot." Plane went off, and he fell like far until that plane came back on. So, again, you know, we've had those incidences. That's the guy that survived. But there's been other incidences over the oceans where the planes don't come back. Yeah. Right. Um. And that is like. The famous um, UFOs buzzing the White House in the uh, 50s, 52. 52, right? Yeah. And then they scrambled all kinds of fighters. And in that case, and if I remember correctly, the the UFOs just took off. They didn't, yeah. they didn't shut anybody down. They didn't know. They, <laughs> they always get, do that. Get up. Yeah. <laughs> they always do that. They remind me of like, uh, you know, those laser, laser pointers. And we're like a cat going, ooh, and, like, and it just it goes across the room and we'll never get a chance to catch them. Uh, but you know what? Yeah. And because they've been here and they've been doing that, those flybys, especially with our wars, like what's more importantly now is the fact that every war that we've had, they've been present, reported and very fucking close. Yeah. Like they want to know what the hell we're doing mm -hmm. and especially the weapons that we're using against each other. Uh, as of late, what they've been doing is trying to bait them into showing up, and they've successfully done that mm. by putting nuclear warheads on ships and then sending the ships out to sea. And the fuckers show up because they're interested in a nuclear power. Yeah, they're always hanging out at the uh, the nuclear Non-stop. facilities, the nuclear... Unreal. Yeah, yeah, unreal, actually. So many sightings of that. Yeah. I actually wanted to ask you about um, something I've been meaning to get through get to on the show and a million times I never have is black mm -hmm. triangle UFOs because those go back a ways. I don't know if it was the first time that one was seen was Phoenix lights. Um, because uh, Phoenix lights was kind of twofold because there were the, the lights on the mountain, but there was the black triangle that was reported um, even from, it went from New Mexico to Arizona. Even the governor of Arizona said, he saw the triangle fly over. And so naturally everyone uh, thinks it's military. It's obviously a military craft. And I think there is something like that, maybe military, but those have been sighted like in Belgium, in all over, all over the world in Canada. Oh, nonstop. Yeah. Really? So 
there you go. If it's the U.S. military, it's military craft, and it's just flying all over the fucking world with impunity, <coughs> complete freedom. Belgians aren't saying, hey, this isn't a testing ground yeah, for the or U.S. Or Canada, for that matter. Right. <laughs> like, right. Fucking borders over there, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, you know what? But the thing is, yeah, they are everywhere. Uh, and they've been reported for years. Uh, mm -hmm. It. I don't know what's going to happen. I know that uh, Christopher Mellon has really been pushing for whoever has that picture um, that was taken of that black triangle emerging out of the ocean to be released and specifically uh christopher mellon has been interested in the black triangle ufo uh cases as where i'm located which is just like about an hour outside of uh, vancouver fraser valley and fraser valley is right on the border of washington state washington state being a very prominent ufo uh, state yeah we have a black triangle problem but interestingly enough we're starting to pinpoint where they're located uh cities by the borders so we have specifically surrey bc langley and aldergrove british columbia which are the three cities closest to the border uh they see up to one to five in the night sky at a time wow they're yeah now interestingly enough any gold mine so if you are a ufo researcher gold mines are gold mines for ufos as well uh they are uh, same thing i had a gentleman who worked at the mine he said when he got there he thought the guys at the mine were were pulling his leg they were saying oh wait till you see the ufos at night and of course he thought ha 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 and the truckers are like no they're not fucking kidding like sometimes those things follow the trucks and he thought it was a joke until he saw it himself and like he would see four of them some some nights above where the mines were of course, there's nobody working at the mines at those times, but off to a distance, they would see them. And gold specifically. Now, gold, interestingly, just a side fact, could be rare, is rare because it's the last thing a sun produces on its way to it, it, basically when it's supernovas. So iron will be the last thing the sun creates. Iron chokes the sun. The sun eventually, you know, just blows up because it can't contain it anymore. The moment it blows up, the moment it, that energy is released, gold is is made. So even if they could get their elements from our sun, you know, like let's say they needed particle 150, they could go to the sun and get it. But not gold. They can't reproduce yeah. gold because gold is made at a colossal amount of like, you know, you think about what what's a supernova. Like there's nothing more violent in the universe than a supernova. And that's the only time it creates gold. So interestingly enough, that's probably why they're interested in these patches, because that's how they can obtain it. It's once it's already solidified on a planet. Wow. That's my theory. But yeah, I, I like that theory. It's exciting. And, you know, it's funny. I um, I live close to gold country. It's about an hour and a half from from uh, Reno. Nice. But these are like old abandoned mines. They're museums and shit. They're not like people mining right. gold inside them. The so rush has passed and gone. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I've heard vaguely of UFOs being interested in gold. I've never really gotten into the details, but I've heard of it in passing. So I knew there was some connection. 
and with them in gold mines. So there's this one night I was driving through gold country, pitch black, you know, there's no lights out there. And I saw this insane cloud with something clearly flying up into it. And I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is it. And I was mesmerized. I couldn't pull over. It's like a mountain road. So I'm just trying not to get in an accident. Couldn't get my phone out to take a picture. Turned out to be some SpaceX rocket or something like that. But there was a solid five minutes, Jason, that it occurred to me. Oh, the gold mines. They like gold mines. And so I was, this is it. I finally finally got it. I finally got it for solid five minutes. But those are also good experience because I got caught on a flare. So I woke up Hmm. at like one o'clock in the morning, wasn't able to sleep. I go outside and I see this bright light in the sky that's like super fucking bright. Oh my God, it's a UFO. So I go inside the house and grab my phone. All of a sudden, the second one pops up, and oh my God, man, I got a boner. I'm just so excited. Like, I'm gonna, I got these cars on the tape. Uh, but yeah, and then the, the way that they maneuvered, and you know, I could see a bit of red, and then they would fade and then reappear a little above or a little below. I didn't know because it was a bit overcast. I recorded it, and of course, I thought, look, I got gold. Look, I captured them last night, and I'm showing my coworkers, and I'm showing my wife, like, I captured UFOs, man. Um, and then some guy was like, yeah, I was in the army and uh, what you're looking at are flares. So I'm like, well, it can't be flares. And they looked at the exact direction where I saw them and I found out that they trained the RCMP over there with flares uh, for a nighttime, you know, if you need to call in a helicopter and stuff. And they actually have the exercise right where I was looking. Mm. But that excitement for those two days is yeah. actually what got me into looking into UFOs. Because if oh. you're able to figure that out, like, oh, you had this amazing thing, you didn't know what it was, and then two days later, you know what it was. It became identified. Well, that probably is the case for most things, and they are. Like, even I, I closed the case today for a, a gentleman saw a, a bright object at 5 a.m. while feeding his dog go above his house, and, you know, it looked pretty intimidating. took a picture of it. All you got to do is grab the picture data. Find out, you know, has it been messed with? No. What kind of phone? Okay. Then it tells you the uh, exact location, uh, azimuth of the angle of the camera, everything. Uh, So you know if the person sends you something legit. After that, you just go to a site like Stellarium.com. You enter your location and you enter the specific time. And it'll show you every satellite that was above your head at that exact second. Uh, Mm. What he was looking at were Starlink satellites. And I even gave him the numbers. And they were reflecting because they were going towards the sunrise and where he was angling uh the sun was just reflecting off the satellites called a, a satellite flare and that's what he observed but it does look like a ufo if you don't know any different 5 a.m yeah. you see something yeah. bright in the sky you know flying like that you're like oh my god it's a ufo uh and sometimes they're mixed sometimes they're, they're mixed with only the uh the international space station but planes i had one where it was like a perfect mix of three planes and a space station and you know good thing the guys didn't have a gun because i would be worried what they would have reacted like right uh <laughs> until we could and i don't have to even go there that was in in alberta i do that all off my fucking computer 
You enter like you, you everything is disposable. That's why I'm saying like everything's at your fingertips now. You want to find out, oh, was there a plane that flew over your your specific head right now? I could find out if I go to flightradar.com uh or flight twenty-four. Uh same thing with uh, we can actually investigate from a distance. Now, when we get some that we can't figure it out because not only does it move fast, but it moved at like I had a, a case where a kid had a horseshoe up his butt because he sent me a video that literally you could have won the Powerball 16 times to instead of, uh, it, it, as opposed to getting this shot. This was the one in a lifetime. But he was uh, up above on a cliff at a place called Bear Cave in um, Hope, British Columbia. And his phone app records two seconds before it takes a picture. From his altitude, he's trying to take this picture of uh, Fraser River, which is a big river here in uh, BC. Uh, there's eagles flying, so he's trying to capture that. He goes home, he reviews it, and he notices a white object emerge out of the river super freaking fast across the screen. Wow. So he sends it to me. And sure enough, I zoom on it. So the size of this thing is the size of a Ford pickup truck. And we're talking F-250 maybe. Uh, we compared it to the size of the train tracks and the carts on the tracks that were near the river to compare the size. It broke from underneath the surface of the river at Mach 3.2. Never broke the surface. The size of a pickup truck. No water splashes, no nothing. Straight from underneath the river to up to like almost like a 45 degree angle in the sky. Just at Mach 3.2 at that speed from underneath the water. Jesus. That means that these things are as much in the rivers, in the waters, as they mm -hmm. are in our atmospheres and in the skies. And that's what it's not just UFOs, it's activity, global activity, even in the fucking ground. Um, how many people have reported them just seem just as if like physics doesn't, you know, matter doesn't matter to them. They could go yep. right through it. it. This this is weird because it doesn't conform with what you and I as a species understand so far, but the physics of this reality and what it is, it's, it's not just, okay, well, if there's UFOs, the implications of that in and of itself, but everything else that they can show us, the implications of that is huge. Because imagine if they could show you, like, further beyond anything we could even comprehend, uh, you know, the advancement in our own species would be huge. It's something I've always thought about, even since I was a kid. I used to think about when... When science teachers or anyone would, you'd ask them about a UFO and, you know, they'd start talking about our laws of physics. And again, even as a kid, I thought, what if there are physics that we just don't know about? What yeah. if, imagine that the way I think about it is if you were someone who lived on land, had no idea that there was water or fish. And I took you to snorkeling. I said, come look at this ocean. And you'd be fucking baffled by that alone. And then I take you on snorkeling and you see fish that don't need oxygen the way we do. They don't need to come up for air. They don't need to snorkel. Yeah. And so this person, you know, let's say they're a, a, a scientist. They're mesmerized by seeing this because it doesn't conform to all the things that they would have told you prior to ever seeing this, which is, well, we all breathe air and, you know, this is uh, the, the way it goes. To see something that completely does not conform to any of that, why is it so difficult, seemingly, 
for scientists now to entertain the idea that there are, you know, the the fish of space, if you will, that there that it is possible for another life form to fly out of the the sea at you know at Mach five and, and come out of the ground or come out of space or another dimension. Why aren't they more open to that? But you know the thing is, I think we we put a lot of scientists on on pedestals. I was saying, well, you know, they would know best and assume mm -hmm. that. But even if you're a scientist, I need hard facts. I need, you know, unless I can work on one of these things. Like, I'm sure if you would have approached Bob Lazar, like, let's say he never worked at S4 and you were to approach him now at his age. And, you know, I'm sure if none of this would have happened, he would have had a, a lustrous career in science. He's probably one of the most scientific persons that I know of. Like, the guy's garage is full of experiments and particle accelerators like i don't even know yeah. if michio kaku has that in his place uh right but you know had he not had his career ruined because of this whole phenomenon uh would he have believed in it had he not had his hands on the material and the thing is you know a lot of people's like well seeing is believing yeah it's true but there's another thing too is um global consciousness and i'll explain that if we globally start acknowledging that there's visitors from somewhere else, be it multi-dimension, be it another planet, planets, solar systems, dimensions, or all of the above, there could be some coming from other dimensions, some from other star systems. Uh, Stanley Friedman was very adamant on, because uh, he helped write, um, taken the um, Betty and Barney Hill documentary and he was adamant that you know when betty had uh drawn the map of zeta recticula a and b that you know they said that that's where they were from now zeta recticula mm -hmm. is about 34 light years away light years we're still as humans trying to wrap our minds about how fast that is and we're still like well nothing goes faster than the speed of light period einstein proved it mm -hmm. okay but we're still stupid and we're still at the beginning of infancy and we're already, um, we state absolutes as if it has any validity. You cannot go faster than the speed of light. Fuck you, prove it, right? <laughs> and literally, well, I can't prove it, exactly. So you can't state that there's nothing that goes faster than that, just that you haven't found it yet. Right. Because obviously these things have found it, whether it's wormholes, whether it's bending space, uh, whether it's just traveling through a, a dimension that lets you approach another location faster, I don't know. Quite frankly, I think that's above our pay grade. But what is important is, is admitting the activity. Because if we admit the activity, we have a better, like, there's no more, uh, there's so much fucking fighting in ufology. I'm sorry I'm somewhere so much, but there's so no, much no, no. fighting. No, 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 please. It, it is yeah. welcome here at all times. Everybody's fighting over theories. Um, I've had a, a gentleman on the, the podcast who, you know, he's a Christian, um, also a, a believer, and he's been helping people in the church that have been having alien abductions. They're trying to fit it into a, a spiritual, you know, demon, spiritual warfare, thing, which they have every right to do. Because until we know what this phenomenon is, you can't say that they're wrong, right? We don't mm. know. So, and he's totally, and I cover that. And I want those angles covered on the show, not just have a bias, but the reason is, is cover all the aspects. Let's look at all of it because we know none of it. 
So that's where we start. We'll start, okay, well, we get at least process of elimination. You know, I think there's groups in this world that know exactly what they are. They're probably way much more uh, capable of like, you know, arriving. Obviously they can, it's proven all the time. Whenever anything happens, these guys seem to appear within, you know, 20 minutes, a half an hour from whatever location on this planet, whether it's in the middle of the ocean, they'll arrive like 20 minutes later on a helicopter. Like, how did they do that? But right. yeah, there's these uh, organization, men and women, that clandestine operations. You got to think about that, you know, living in the States. Was it is it Donald Rumsfeld? Was that his name? Ronald Rumsfeld? Donald, Donald Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld. Yeah. Yeah. When he mentioned, look, he looked into it. He's like, there's trillions of dollars missing out of the defense department budget. Missing. Yeah. <laughs> how do you miss trillions of dollars right that, that would be a major paper trail they can't find it but yet they'll find you know contractors contracts like 1500 bucks for a hammer right 1500 bucks for a hammer the hammer yeah so i mean they're hiding the money and your population knows that you're none of you are fooled by what they're doing you know the money's leaking you guys see the stuff over your skies all the time uh, and quite frankly, like even you think about a country like the United States, cameras are on your persons. They're on your faces now. You know, if you think GoPros, think about mm -hmm. how many fishermen, people out in the woods that used to, you know, see things and report it, and now they can actually capture it, right? You got doorbell cameras. Uh, your car has cameras. They have to disclose because they don't have a choice. You mm. cannot hide this. All these videos, have, it's a matter of time before somebody on a backyard camera captures an orb or craft, come close to a neighborhood, suck somebody out of the roof, and then that's it. The cat's out <laughs> of the bag, baby. Uh, and yeah. they can't contain that anymore, right? Yeah, exactly. I have talked about something a million times. Anyone who's listened to the show before, they've heard this. But back in the time say like the phoenix lights it was a huge deal because people had video cameras yeah. shitty video cameras 90s cameras but there was something there and then there's always been this sort of debunker go-to line about well if there's so many ufos and uh, how come we're not getting more uh, on camera it's like speaking to what you just said we do yeah constantly oh yeah you could spend the rest of your life on youtube just watching footage of possible ufos like you said from every gopro from every around the camp. world yeah exactly traffic lights um cameras mars we got cameras on mars <laughs> yeah we got five robots right. on mars <laughs> cameras in space right. and on other planets. yeah and we got a whole bunch of cameras and satellites pointing at us all the time i mean obviously the powers is the people in charge could capture that on their their equipment more than we could see it from the ground even again you know when you hear somebody oh, i never seen a ufo but they're watching tv by six and they're in bed by nine they haven't stepped outside to look at the stars probably right. in like five right. years <laughs> but they'll say they'll, you know they don't believe in it they've never seen one oddly enough you know i used to i was selling insurance and it happened twice where Somebody just starts talking to me about UFOs out of nowhere. And at no point in time did I mention to them that I was into UFOs or that I even had any interest in them. They just leaned in and started talking to me about it. 
And I thought that was interesting. An older gentleman, we're just talking, everything's going good. And all of a sudden he leans in, big beard, right? I saw them once, you know. And I'm like, uh, just typing on my computer, like, uh, what's that? Yeah, I was driving uh, to my uh, wedding. It wasn't a wedding reception. It was like a, a before you get married, you know, like the night before everybody gets together. Yeah. Uh, they were going to a, a cabin of his where his fiance was waiting, and he's with his father in law in the car. And as they're driving down this road right by uh, Lake in Ontario, I thought it was Lake Superior, it says this massive craft floating five feet above the, the water. And he says the thing's about the size of three football fields. Five feet. And he goes, never made a sound. He said, scared the shit out of me. And yeah. I'm there looking at him like, I didn't ask you. Like, <laughs> I'm scared because I'm like, why is he just telling me? He doesn't know I'm into UFOs. Like, what makes him want to tell me this? And I thought that was quite interesting. I'm like, okay. And whenever uh, I had another client who would come in, and of course my joker is like, oh, this guy's a UFO investigator. Ha, ha, ha. Until they leave. <laughs> the guy's like, hey, dude, psst. <laughs> Let me tell you what I seen. I'm like, you see, this is exactly why I got into this. Everybody laughs as a group, but the minute everybody leaves, somebody has a story. Mm. And let me tell you mm. something that I've seen. Yeah. We've all have a story, whether it's our own or somebody else in a family that's seen something, experienced something so deep, so profound that you yourself, even if you haven't experienced anything, would be like, yeah, something's weird there. You know, my my grandfather would never lie about anything, and he was adamant on this, you know. And this goes back for, you know, who knows how long. But the fact is, is that we keep pussyfooting around the topic. And I used to like, you know, even back in the 90s and early 2000s, you would broach a subject. You'd almost have to gauge the water first with the person. Like, are they, you know, are, can I even broach the subject right. with them? Yeah. And I get tired of that. Because, you know, when you tell somebody something that you've seen and then they start laughing, you know, my instinct is to slap them in the face. Like, stop being an idiot, pay attention. And that's actually where this, the, you know, slogan almost came from, from uh, the podcast. Are you paying attention? Because yeah. if you are paying attention and you start putting the dots together and the info that's already out there, which, you know, most people can just continue not paying attention to it. But come June and every year after that, um, it's going to become a lot more unavoidable. Uh, the subject of it anyways mm -hmm. and not only that like maybe we'll be a few years where we're just sitting on the information you know everybody's going out getting po laser pointers and pointing at the sky <laughs> you know excited uh but it may be yet another 10 years 15 years until some huge and i mean like world changing happens now the navy's already said that they've have technology that can change the very fabric of reality now, for the Navy to say that as an official statement. Right. I mean, some of the shit that's been said just in the last few right. years. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, like you said, I, I didn't think I'd live to see this. Yeah. I didn't think yeah. that I would live to see this or live to, to even hear them allude to things like this. Compared well, to what yeah, and when easy we listened to uh, Lou Elizondo and he's saying, you know, like it one, you know, when he was put in charge of the program, uh, the ATIP program, and it was super slow. But it's not only that; you also have to deal with a super fundamentally Christian-based political party mm -hmm. uh, that, to them, in the Christian world, well, aliens don't exist. Real things don't exist in our, you know, in our worldview. And I think that's a wrong approach because if you're 
you know, interested in, let's say, domestic um, safety, which, you know, your whole country, I mean, after the summer of 1947, now whether it's half chance that in July you have, you know, aliens crash landing near a military base, and then by August you have all these like CIA, DIA, blah, 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 like all these new things pop up right. like within months of this crashing, all these new organizations and things that are now in charge two months after like that must have shaken the very core of the united states uh, political and mil uh, military uh, prospects that year probably in the next two years like you know 1955 was the best year for the united states that was the apex of the united states was 1955. um and it was, I mean, you think about everything that was taking place in 1955, it was good, the economy was good, booming. Everybody was occupied buying homes, baby boomers generation, mm -hmm. all behind the scenes. And the meanwhile, they obtain technology not from here. And we, we keep advancing to right now, 2021. I mean, just, uh, well, just think about like you and your phone. How indispensable are you from your phone at this point? Yeah, it's a part of right. Me. Yeah, Gross. in the 80s, now if I was to go hang out with you as a kid in the 80s, would you have your phone with you? <laughs> no. no. In fact, I know where you were just by seeing if your bike was in the other kid's <laughs> front yard. That's how I know where you were. <laughs> right? And if I wasn't home, or I mean, if I was talking to someone on the other line, it, it would be And busy. you had to wait till the line. <laughs> You'd have to wait till I was off the phone. When you, ghost, when you ghosted somebody, it was for like a week. Like, <laughs> yeah knock on the door didn't have to answer but yeah i'm just saying like technology if um you know we look at it especially our generation because we came from the no technology you know having atari mm -hmm. to the shit we have now i mean in my lifetime i'm like holy crap uh i don't think there was that much of a technological advance in my dad's time no in my kid's lifetime mm -hmm. the i can only assume that xbox 19 is going to be insane uh like I said, the technology is going by so fast and we're so used to it that we're used to the possibility now of having extraterrestrial life. It's not far-fetched. It's been ingrained in our psyche. The movies, TV shows, yeah. podcasts like yourselves, um, people talk about. But the discussion is what is most important. And like I, I, I told other people, I'm like, you know what? Maybe the podcast idea, maybe me trying to be a, a UFO investigator, maybe I'm a shit investigator. You know, maybe in a couple of years, somebody goes back through my work and like, what was he smoking? Like, it's just horrible. But maybe because I did the podcast, somebody was able to get something from that and they become a person that does something huge. Yep. You know, yep. Uh, the, the, the point, especially in ufology, is not about, oh, I need to be the one that solves the fucking riddle. That's so stupid. There's no one person that's going to solve this. Uh, and the thing is now, you know, there's a lot of money involved with like, you know, because UFO is big business, you know, obviously it's normal if you're going to be invited to a show that they pay you or something that's normal. But some people that's their entire lives like I'm not going to want to nick like name names, but um, Rick Hope just rhymes with that. Um, <laughs> you know, those are <laughs> names that, you know, or people that have made a career off of telling stories, but never having any facts. Like Jacques Vallée, you hardly ever hear about Jacques Vallée. Like he comes out with a book, 
and all of a sudden the fucker comes out and he's got like 16 pieces of meta material that are proven right. to be weird and not of this world he's the og right so during his time he's actually doing something and by the time he comes back you're like holy shit now i want to listen to what he's got right uh instead of saying well you know i had a story back in 1960 i don't care that's not proof it's just storytelling and now we're, we're sort of beyond that now because there's enough people worldwide taking an interest in this technology being what it is and well seriously like i mentioned the computer the the cell phone you could do like 80 percent of all your investigative work with just your cell phone and your computer and sometimes like you know i'll get cases in alberta i'm not going to drive all the way out to alberta to investigate those cases i have a lot of the software here i can use to at least rule out several things back in the days when linda molden howe and stanley freeman were doing it they had to mail out letters and write them by hand or on a typewriter right they had to drive to some library in alabama to do right they're way more hardcore than i am way more would i be doing this if i didn't have the technology of today Pfft, i'm way too lazy there's no way i would do what senton friedman did you know what i mean so like that to me he's the pioneer um you know uh, people like him yeah that did it in a time where it's like not only was it difficult but the amount of laughing that was mm -hmm. done mm -hmm. slamming of doors in your face reputations being shot like even think about john mack which would have been probably he's probably one of the first psychiatrists to actually give a shit about the ufo abduction phenomenon and his uh reputation just got through the mud through harvard and all the other professional academics like how could you how could you write books on alien visitors how preposterous <laughs> like we know science and you don't yes how yes. dare you think you know something and uh it's always proven in history when we go back that those people were the fucking idiots. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And even when we're living through it, you're like, oh yeah, those are going to be the idiots. Those are going to be the people who are going to look back and go, yeah, they weren't paying attention. And that's normal. Uh, struggle comes with a fight and the fight of creative ideas. Some people aren't creative, Bill. Some people can't wrap their heads around anything. I, I knew a guy that can't watch Star Wars because it wasn't real. So to him, really? he, yeah, could not watch Star Wars. It's not real. I can't get into it. But if you watch, you know, it's a normal thing about a street. No, not a problem. You know, like uh, Fast and Furious. Well, at least it's got some credibility to it. Car <laughs> Just because it has yeah, cars. Cars in space <laughs> on the moon. That's totally, it's a lot more real. Um, but, you know, that's the thing. We're not all created equal. Some people cannot have a, a part of their mind that is not open, um, that they need to see to believe. And that's the, unfortunately for them, uh those are the people i think they're gonna have a harder time with this yeah. because it's not even if they come out and say okay here's the situation we have a lot more ufo interactions than um has been re uh, reported or what the public is aware of and we're aware of a lot like a lot right not yeah. stop so imagine the yeah. shit we don't know and all the other stories out there think about how many men and women have died with the craziest fucking stories of you know related to this uh seeing either entities experiencing entities or crafts of very close proximity and we'll never know because yeah. back then you kept your mouth shut the same as we we're talking about the the molestation thing it's the mm -hmm. same thing to make somebody feel crazy when they're not they're, 
experiencing something that's dramatic and everybody's going, no, 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 it's all in your head. And like I said, it's such a, it's a dramatic, um, you know, sort of, uh, what's, uh, scenario to run by. I understand, but it's exactly what's taking place. Uh, it's people telling other people for a long time, something's not right. Look up, you know, um, and how many people now are coming out that are stars like Miley Cyrus, her dad are all coming out saying yeah. like, yeah, we have weird experiences. It's not just regular people. It's politicians, um, Hollywood execs. Those are people that end up in, in um, you know, hypnotherapist chairs and end up having some sort of regression. They're people of power. There's it doesn't matter who you are, what creed, religion, location, color. Short, tall, gay, straight does not matter. That's all our bullshit. Yeah. It does not matter to them. Whatever they're up to, whatever those experiments are that they're doing, uh, that is their own agenda. So all our own bullshit. We're here fighting. Oh, I know. Like, and it's another thing I mentioned across. Like, I want to hear more from uh, the black community. They're way too quiet on this subject, and there's no way they're not getting taken either. They are. It's just not talked about. You know, again, it's not something that you you don't hear enough of. It's like, why is it that they weren't given the, the, the platform to speak? Because I want to hear from them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a huge population, uh, African-American in, in the United States. There's tons of them. Barney, I know, from Betty Barney yeah. Hill was African-American. So they're being uh, taken as well, but you never hear from them. And that's interesting. And I, I'm concerned. Like, I, I would like to hear from them. Um uh, because I think this you know, culturally it's if you, uh, ironically enough in Korea, they don't report UFOs. They don't see UFOs supposedly in Korea. It's just not a thing. Um, they see them. It's just not reported. Right? right. It's just not part of the culture. Yeah. So again, it has a lot to do with our upbringing, our own morality, our own understanding of things. And it seems to be people that are um, ever heard the term empath. Somebody who's empathic. Sure. Yeah. yeah. When you walk inside a room and you meet somebody for the first time and you can feel the vibes off the person, even if the person is nice, you sense there's like a, something beyond like they're two faced. Like you sense that right off meeting them, like you've never met them before. And yet you're not wrong. Know them for two right. weeks and that person shows you exactly, exactly who you knew they were. Um, that's not a gift everybody possessed, but it seems to be that um, these abductees tend to have that gift. They, they're all like that. They can meet somebody and know, like, I could trust that person or that person you can't trust. Um, it's interesting. You know, I don't have that. A lot of it. I'm not great at it. And it's weird because I like to think I'm imaginative. I'm creative. But I take people at face value very easily. Our friend Charlie Crabtree, who comes on all the time, one of my great friends, he's really good at that. I remember one time we're in a band and we had a bass player come in and Charlie goes, uh, there's something off about that guy. And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? He's nice as hell. He's a teddy bear. <laughs> well, what are you talking about? No, there's something off with him. Guy turned out to be a fucking lunatic. Oh, wow. I did not see it coming. <clears throat> I mean, after a couple of weeks, I kind of wised up and I was like, shit, I think you're all, I think you're right. <laughs> when you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Tell, what did you tell me? This guy's fucking nuts. But maybe Charlie gets abducted and I will be uh, safe. But it, you know, again, I would say that um, consciousness, if you're simply just yeah. step out of yourself for five seconds and just feel the room, 
uh, people almost forget that that's an ability that they're capable of doing. But you did that as a baby. Mm -hmm. You were able to sense if somebody was friendly towards you or not. Uh, it's still there. Like you think about, um, there's a line in uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo where Daniel Craig knows that the guy is the serial killer. And the serial killer, and he's there to confront him, but the serial killer invites him in. Please, please, no, please, come in. And he still goes in. Why? Because he said, please. And we're so mm -hmm. conditioned to the fact that if somebody says please and has manners, even though you feel threatened by them, yeah. you don't want to offend them in case you're wrong. And then you put yourself in a situation where you end up locked in their trunk or their basement. If you feel that feeling, that is a part of you that is telling you fucking run and you should listen to that. I don't care if I make myself look like an idiot in front of the guy. I'll stay alive. If it means I get to live, you know <laughs> right. what I mean? Yeah, we can get over this later <laughs> if I'm mistaken. But if I'm not mistaken, I don't get a second chance. And, you know, even people are saying that, like, you know, like sometimes before they have an experience, they feel it. They feel it hours before they go to bed. There's just that feeling. Mm. They know. They know it's going to happen. There's a feeling, premonition. Their apprehensions. They can't sleep. Um, that is the part that I'm always fascinated with. It's like, okay, well, how the fuck do they know? Like, are they being told in advance? Or there's just like a feeling, a connection now from being repeatedly taken that you just know, like, uh, this is one of those nights. Because there's... You know, there's, they'll be spanned where they don't see him for like two years. And all of a sudden, it's like back to back to back, like week after week, they keep getting these like missing hours in the middle of the night or wake up with bruises or finger marks. Uh, three, almost appears like three finger marks on their backs or um, weird scrape marks, needle marks. And these are proven. These are actually there. Now, whether or not, you know, we could say, well, is it sleep paralysis? Well, yeah, everybody knows what sleep paralysis is. Yeah. But the problem is if somebody says, look, um, they're recounting the same details as what other people are reporting. Like, let's say it's a, 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 a mental illness. Let's say seeing gray, gray people with big black eyes in the middle of the night doing medical experiments to use a medical condition. That'd be a serious medical condition if you think about how many millions of people are experiencing it. Like you could say it would exist the same as diabetes, that it's a mental disorder and it would have to look into it the same way you would with bipolar or, um, you know, schizophrenia. Well, and it would be a pretty well, fucking specific mental illness, too. Well, fucking a. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because these people, like I said, they come from, you know, religious, you know, they're the guys or, uh, you know, singing the worship songs on Sundays, uh, having Bible studies. This doesn't fit in any of the stuff they think is reality. And that's what I mean. Like a lot of people think, well, who are these people? These people are your neighbor that you know, you know, is an honest person, a good person, never lied to you, never had any reason to. Uh, again, now, why would they lie about this specifically? What, yeah. you know, if, if let's say you're the one telling me this and I tell you, okay, well, if you tell me this and let's say you go out public and the publisher, you go on TV, um, you're going to lose your job. Uh, most likely your wife is going to get fed up of, of this and she's going to leave you. Um, you know, financially will go hard. Your kids won't want you to drop them off at school because you're the UFO nut now. What, what incentive do you have yep. to tell other people? None, right? You have to be either the world's biggest moron or you really can't think things through. 
uh, even like Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar, the only reason why he came out is because he really thought he was going to get whacked because they shot his back tire and he thought, that's it, they're watching my house, I'm going to get hit. I need to tell people to protect myself. Right. And you know what? You were mentioning his book earlier. When he writes about all of the things that were happening to him, that whole saga, he really gets into the details. You can really see yeah. why he came out everything added up to him having to say something oh but yeah and that's you know because again his, his handler dennis wouldn't call him for days and wouldn't call him in it's like well fuck like they're let me play with alien technology and now they're like <laughs> 10 days 12 days they don't call you your house is being watched you're tapped uh he would go to the gym come out all the doors of his car were left open the car was ransacked just to mess with them um the way they handled Bob was stupid because all they did was push him into George yes. Knapp's lap. <laughs> and even that whole part where he's talking about, like, where he starts feeling like, no, I, I don't want to go through with it. And he's tackling George in the <laughs> yeah. newsroom. Like, he's full on <laughs> tackling him and they're wrestling on the ground. And the, the news people are just looking at him like, what the hell? And George gets up, puts on his thigh, like, good evening. <laughs> like, he's going to play the show, anyways. And you just, you know, um, hearing that i thought you know what he did uh, bob did such a great job at writing the book because it was more of a like day by day by day explanation of what he saw what he experienced and how it all led up to what it led up to and i know so many people either they're on a fence or have a hard time believing bob but i remember when i was 1989 august and i'm sitting in the living room it's freaking hot as hell there's a great dane right next to me and on the news we were all waiting for this all day was this yeah. guy dennis yep. all in shadow mm -hmm. revealing uh, mm -hmm. yeah right because he he wanted to fight back at this uh at his handler so he used dennis as a pseudonym name uh and i believed him uh there's yeah. some about it. i'm like well, why would somebody say something like that and lie and nobody at that point knew about s4 areas 51 but they sure do now right and we know that they're there now we know they have facilities he said papoose lake and we'd have aerial views of papoose lake uh you know that's the thing if you look back and you follow you all the things people have been saying are true and it's rare that something has been proven not to be true there's been hoaxes but the big cases the big holy shit case that we had one here in canada took place in um uh nova scotia it's on a coin now really we put the ufo event on a coin an official coin that is yes fucking great I, I gotta get some of those yeah it's a shag harbor incident i believe uh it's oh, a massive yeah, craft I've heard of that yeah. I didn't know it was on money. It's now, yeah, same with the Manitoba uh, incident. Um, uh, the gentleman that, um, I'm bad with names. I'm a Falcon Lake, Manitoba. Uh, he got burnt, and he's the most physically proven alien uh, or ship encounter to date. Like, he had markings on his whole chest as if, you put like one of those barbecue grills that just have like the circles oh. and you put that up against his chest with like a torch and you just went to town and that's what his whole body looked like because when this thing took off it just gave a, an air thing and it was pieces of flesh shirt burnt metal at the location where this took place it's wow. it's the canadian roswell and uh -huh. it's yeah it's it's a huge case so canada has been not hiding anything we've been putting everything on the table huge country we don't have as much population as the states but we have as much space country-wise uh more a lot more so as well and we see them everywhere 
and especially when there's nuclear facilities right by the the, the border yeah then that that town that's right by the border is experiencing ufos even more and like i said it's now it's to the point with the internet i can talk to you talk to somebody in korea somebody in australia we all have the same road problem we all have the same problem and it's beautiful because you understand okay well now that we have this connectivity we've never been disconnected before maybe we have a better understanding now a better chance especially with the scientists coming on board and the ones that are coming on the podcasts um and you listen to what they're doing it's like holy shit, <laughs> this is really happening it's really cool because here i was thinking that no scientists were interested and oh boy am i wrong like silicon valley like that's where uh, jacques valet is yeah that's they're right. all interested in it yeah i myself actually <clears throat> originate from silicon valley oh, nice it's my uh it's less than two hours away i see no silicon in your face so you look nice <laughs> well thank you <laughs> I, uh, it's been a long time it's been a, a few years so it's uh it's just kind of <laughs> cleared up a little bit <laughs> yeah. from there it's very intense there um but uh before i let you go jason there's three things that from what you've been talking about have sprung to mind that i i have to touch on with you the first was when you're talking about stan friedman and you know the beatings that those people took stan friedman got his ass kicked his whole life as an investigator by what's his name uh class i think philip class uh, one guy and he had a few well there was one guy that he was always saying i'll give you money if you show me the documents that fit the, the descriptions and stan friedman finally did and he had to write stanton checks and i think stan friedman was having them being printed in newspapers and stuff but uh carl flock was another one of those guys those guys they were accusing stanton friedman of actually writing majestic 12 documents himself yeah. creating them yeah and then bringing them out and saying, look what I found. Um, so, you know, God bless him and his work. Uh, to Nerves the of steel. Yeah. He was fighting till the end. And um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was you were talking about sort of the, I don't want to generalize <coughs> people. I don't want to offend anyone. But Christian conservatives, that attitude that sort of lends itself to not wanting to entertain the idea of there being aliens and UFOs and things that don't fit the, you know, the blanket of the, of the religion itself. And it was interesting to me in my crazy mind, putting things together that maybe don't belong together, but it interested me that, that Fox news, which is sort of traditionally the representation of that in the news they became more and more and more interested in UFOs and talking about them. Yeah. Having Luis Elizondo on a lot. Yeah. Ultimately, Tucker Carlson, I mean, he's massive. He's a huge personality in this country, very conservative. And he has that group sort of, you know, devoted to him, or he's a go-to guy, so to speak. And he talks about it all the time, UFOs. Mm -hmm. One of the highest cable news rated shows around yeah, kudos to him yeah yeah, th yeah definitely whatever you think of his politics like it or not whatever good for him yeah. to have the nuts to, well, this, to do that and say fuck yeah. it i'm and, talking about it because it it uh, goes beyond politics yep 
Because this doesn't matter if you're liberal, if conservative, if you're, yes. you know, however you identify, it's irrelevant. Mm -hmm. uh, your beliefs, irrelevant. And you almost have exactly. to put it with that much infliction of like, it is literally means nothing. If you bring it to the table, it will do nothing for you. Toss it out the window. Because um, it has nothing to do with being liberal. No, where I would like to, okay, not liberal in the sense of, hey, let's shoot him down. <laughs> Conservatives, <laughs> let's, let's not do anything. But it's got to be a meet halfway. The problem is, is that the guys, Tucker Carlson, trying to get to the bottom of it or what's going on. Each country, and we still have that, that notion in our head that each country is out for itself, right? Right. These invisible lines that like I see the backdrop that you have behind you on your Skype right now as not Skype Zoom and it's the planet Earth. I see no lines of division that tells me that I cannot cross into your side of the land. But in our minds it's there and we have guns and we'll enforce that invisible line. We all contribute to that fucking line. It's imaginary, but we all contribute to it. Uh, you know, you go to work every day, wherever it is that you work, whether it's insurance, well, you're contributing to the illusion of homo sapien cultural life of insurance and cars and gas prices and, you know, what Donald Trump is eating today. All <laughs> that is irrelevant. It means nothing. And the minute we can accept that, then we can look at the phenomenon and go, okay, because then all our shit put, is put aside. Because we're constantly, well, why are they here? Why are they taking people? I do that all the time. But I'm a homo sapien trying to think about <laughs> how an alien would think. Like, how stupid is that? Well, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, again, it's about, it, it's such a hard subject because you're stuck in this meat carcass thinking with the brain that you were given on a subject that is like, holy shit, maybe the most complex subject that humans have yet faced or is now becoming to the age of being able to face. And I think we're at that threshold, you know, uh, look at, you know, the night sky, uh, you look at the planet at night, you know, when it's on the dark side, the whole planet's lit up like it's Las Vegas, you know, how would they know we're here? Well, they're not <laughs> blind. You know, if we have telescopes that can look out into space and see nebulas, and they're much more older than us. Their telescopes would have already seen us a long time ago. They would have already found us eons ago. Mm -hmm. So when we're saying, why would they come here as if they just found us now? That's our, our again, homo sapien thinking at play. Well, we just discovered space, so they must too. God, we're stupid. <laughs> oh, mm -hmm. it's like, no, they already know we're here. That's why they come here. Because they scouted it first and they, you know, uh, it, like I said, this whole phenomenon is more of a putting us in perspective as well. The totem pole of where do we fit on a galactic scale of intelligence. I think we're still buried in the ground in that totem pole. I don't think we're anywhere near the surface. And that's a humble pill to take because we're, you know, as far as we know, the most advanced thing on this planet. But by the looks of it, that might not be the case, um, seeing as they're everywhere here. And, yeah. you know, it, like I said, it's more the shock that, you know, putting us back into the holy shit. We don't run the roost, you know, that power, you know, the, the worst thing for men is losing power. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned this before, Bill. So he said, well, do you agree with like aliens come down and they take over the earth and they call the shots. You okay with that? 
fuck yeah <laughs> i tried it the human way it doesn't work okay we, we've clearly proven that <laughs> i'll give it a shot have you ever read contact the book by carl sagan no i have it yeah i have it but i've not read it it it's a great read um it's all about that it's all about the idea of what happens to society what happens to religion what happens to our relationships um yeah if aliens come down the mo the movie touches on it a little bit but the book is really focused yeah. on that philosophically than it's about Jodie Foster floating through space and all that that's part of it but the book is more of a think piece about what would happen if we unequivocally knew that there were extraterrestrials and that they could build things for us to travel through wormholes and whatever it is. You know, what actually happens to us as a result of all that? And it's really good. Good book for contemplating well, and, that. And it's, it's yeah, yeah, as much as he was, like he and Stanton did not see eye to eye. Oh, no. No, and, and I mean, Stan was funny because like even whenever you read anything Stanton wrote, he was opinionated by a lot of people. I think he had a right too because i mean a lot of his critics would not do the legwork or the research that he did and that's one thing that always bugged me about the critics in ufology is you got this one guy like Stanton that goes out in the field sends out all these letters puts all these things together comes out with a report and the other guy who read it who just doesn't agree with it <laughs> he didn't do any of the work right he, he didn't he just doesn't agree with it it's like so what you have equal weight here like it's not about you know what i mean it's it, it's frustrating because if if somebody in the science community would say well i don't agree with it they would have to oppose it with a different theory you know yeah but they don't do it they don't they don't try or they don't read it like uh, one thing that Satman got really mad is like you know he's arguing with me about majestic 12 papers never read the documents uh stanton got pissed off at um project blue book because you know it was report 14. he's like well what the fuck happened to report one to 13. <laughs> you know where are they Right, so there's a bunch of things that Stanton was mad because when the paperwork did come out, either if it was all redacted, mm -hmm. uh, he would have to fight to get the copy. And when he finally got the copies and, and had proof, then he had to fight the critics who didn't do shit. Yeah, who just well, I don't agree with it. It's like, <laughs> well, I, I could tell, like, man, he was so. When you watch him, like, you could just see the just seething in the back, like how yes. angry he is, and I don't blame him. Like, how frustrating would that be? Yeah, but uh, like I said, now things have changed um even Stanton passed away a few years ago now and even in the time that he's passed like how much momentum has picked up now you got you know like to the stars academy although now lewis branched off and so is chris uh you got the debrief uh which is like a group of journalists now they're covering military and uap related you know on um uh, an intelligence disclosure scale you know, you got all these huge organizations. You got the the Senate saying, yeah, there's something we want you to investigate it. Here's some money. Tell us what the fuck you know. And in June, come back and please tell us and we'll inform the public. And this is a great time to be, uh, sounds cheesy, a great time to be alive, you know, <laughs> but it it is because. Absolutely. Yeah, even if I die and I don't get to see, uh, you know, we're not going to see an armada of, of, ship willingly from the government we might capture that 
by private citizens. Absolutely. I think that's true. Even watch now, like just weird stuff flying around the sun that they're way too large to be visible. Like anything small, like a satellite, you can never tell. It's, we could tell there's something beside there or even the moon. Like you see things flying formations around the moon. Okay, as far as I know, there's no pollen missions. There's no satellites that run in groups like that that can also veer off. Like they change course. And, and this is around the moon? On, uh, or like flying around the moon? Yeah, so you'll you'll see the moon and then you see objects in front of it. Like a whole, you know, they look like flying saucers from a distance, but it looks like, you know, balloons that you would let go from like a long distance, but they're flying across the moon. And sometimes they'll come out of uh, a crater and it's, and it just jet off to the side fast it's this, when you got guys this is coming from private citizens private citizens and now yeah because now they have cameras that they can mount to their telescopes right and they could capture whatever footage and you got guys like buzz aldrin who says yeah. look when we landed there or when we we're about to land we we're being followed so we switched to the the, the metacom channel because that one was not aired and that was in case they see anything you switch to the medical channel and that's exactly what they did and I said, you know, Houston, um, we're reporting a bogey at blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, just keep us posted. So by the time they landed the craft, Buzz said that it was off to their, I think, left, off to a crater, just like fucking watching them the whole time. So the second guy to step off on the moon is telling you, oh, by the way, when we walked off on the moon, uh, there's some crazy shit that seemed to be intelligent and following us. And you either take that with a grain of salt, but when you got guys like, you know, uh, uh, Cooper, who, you know, even before we went to the moon, he was flying those uh, special planes off in uh, Germany. He would see them all the time in the atmosphere because he would fly all the way to atmosphere level. And the fuckers were there all the time. He reported them. But the biggest one was when he was, uh, he was filming some sort of, I forgot what he was filming with the army in the desert. And he said a craft actually landed right in front of the film set they just kept filming and then they grabbed the film they brought it in uh showed the uh, major or whatever his name was and somebody came in said do you have the tape took the tape took the tape away never saw the tape again wow of right. course so i mean this stuff has been happening for a long time people have been telling us it's just whether or not you know we are willing to listen mm -hmm. and again the catchphrase of the podcast is are you paying attention because you listen to people that come on, you listen to their stories, and you're not going to hear that from anywhere else because these are, are investigators that have been doing this for a long time, and they'll tell you things, inside things, that you're not going to hear from just rehashed stories. And that's not something that I want to do. I want to learn from the investigators. What better way to investigate the investigators to find out more about the phenomenon than if I was just investigating myself? Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm gaining all their knowledge and insights. And not only that, but the listener is also gaining in that knowledge and insights. I learn shit all the time. Like sometimes I think that, oh, no, I wasted my time with that guest. We, you know, got to talk and talk and it was really good. And I forgot to ask him the questions, but I have to listen to the podcast a few times over in a editing process. God damn, do I learn a lot just by listening to them talk? They'll say things that I never heard before. Or explain something I'm like, oh, wait, there's a little detail that matches something that somebody else told me like three episodes ago. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool. I'm that's the kick that I'm getting out of it. And the fact that I've had people reach out and say, dude, like I'm this is cool. Like I'm I'm actually doing 
Um, a few people are actually trying to get out on the field now buying equipment and um, studying this phenomenon seriously. And to me, that's all, that's the, the, I feel like my job's already done. You know, I'm still going, but if I stop doing this in two years time, all those episodes are still available for anybody who wants to pick up the helm uh, or, or learn more that they knew before. Uh, it's always going to be there. So even if I quit, I still left something for the other people yep. when they come back. Like they don't have to start from scratch or they don't have to, you know, re-interview people to get all this information or try to get it from somewhere else. Uh, that's really all we can do is just contribute something to it. Not expect anything out of it. You know, I'm not expecting anything out of this. Not making a dime pod podcasting, I could tell you that much. Uh, but for me, it's it's for the, the, the passion of the subject and then the, the people I know that are listening. Because uh, I know they're passionate about this as much as I am. Well, and for me, this has been like a fucking college masterclass in uh, in UFOs. Just talking to you. Oh wow! <laughs> but I mean, really, because my thing is trying to bring the initial interest by, you know, finding people who have never really heard any of these stories, never listened to Art Bell or anything, and and saying, "Listen to this story." It's actually very interesting it's not over dramatized it's not just about a bunch of crazy people so let me right. tell it that way but then to take it to the next level with you and hear the way you speak about things the knowledge that you have the fact that you've actually like you know worked on these things i'm excited for people to hear this i was excited hey, to be a part of well, it so thank you for thank having you. me on yeah but i gotta ask you one Go last ahead. thing Go otherwise ahead. it's gonna be the thing <laughs> where you were talking about where you forget to Ask someone something. Deathbed confessions, man. There's one. I talk about it on the show all the time. There's really old guy. can barely talk. He's like wheezing all the time. I call him wheezing guy. He's about to die. But he's telling the story of basically UFOs from like the 50s to the 90s. And he was there for all of it. Or he was in all these, you know clandestine meetings and he knew eisenhower and eisenhower was going to raid area 51 have you seen this i've seen i think it's called the anonymous interview. Yeah, he has like the oxygen tube he's sitting on I like a, so. a, a kind of those hospital recliners is that the uh, one yeah, you're talking about yeah richard dolan <coughs> interviewing him uh i've seen a few of those um i i don't believe every single one of them I don't think that somebody who's dying has anything really to, uh, you know, why, why would they go out of their way to die right before they lie? That makes no sense. I would see not, I don't see the, the sense in that. Uh, I don't believe all of them. Um, even Hillier here in Canada, we have a politician who used to be the um, uh, Minister of Defense, Paul Hellier. He's adamant, like adamant on this whole UFO, been visiting Roswell's true uh been basically telling about this federation thing same thing as what the uh, israeli general has been saying here for a while but here in canada except he's only been told this through other people that yeah. were in government yeah. and stuff like that he never himself saw it but the people who told him these things were such levels and people that he respected admired that there's no way that it's fake there's the problem with it too is that okay well you're in position of power and people are w willing to listen to you but if you know, if you're coming to them like, okay, well, you know, aliens are here, UFOs are here, 
great. But when you're in that position, that high of a position, if you're coming to the table saying that and you can't prove it or you can't have like even the secretary in the back going, yeah, it's true. Uh, it's hard. It's hard because it's not going to make any headways. And he didn't make any headways because by the time he came out with that, he was already retired. He wasn't the minister of defense anymore. Mm -hmm. They're always yeah, retired. But this general guy, that's different because that's 30 years of the Israeli space uh, agency. And he worked very closely with NASA and the military of the United States. So for him to say that, and then he says, um, Donald Trump came very close to spilling the beans. Yes. And it was true. Did you see yeah. that interview with him when they yes. like, about aliens? Well, all I can tell you is we got fantastic military branch. That's like, uh, okay, so what are you saying that the military can take these things on? <laughs> it's going to uh, put together Space Force for uh, to take care of that Mike Pence. Well, to, yeah, to and we made this joke a couple of times already on the podcast. It's like, you know, uh, which came first, the chicken and the eggs. With the Space Force, do you have all the recruits and the cadets first before you build the ships? Or do you have the ships before you get the cadets to fill the ships? You know what I mean? Yeah, I never thought. Yeah, because if those if those black triangles are the ships of the space force, that makes sense where we're seeing them everywhere, but they're not filled with crews, <laughs> right? Because right. that's you way too many. So things like that. Yep. Maids. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And like bedding. Like you got to think there's like a you know lady in there that's just housekeeping. Yeah. <laughs> that's like going to space every week. That has like this security clearing. Um. Yeah, who knows? I mean, this thing could be so crazy. And like I said, the amount of people in this world that know exactly what's going on, I would say, safe estimate, probably about 5,000 people know a hell of a lot concerning this. Uh, they signed non-disclosure agreements. They have very deep uh, government contracts. And since 1989, I'm sure things have changed. Mm -hmm dramatically for those employed by these establishments to work on reverse engineering it's not as loosey-goosey i think as it was when they hired bob right. i think now it's like holy shit if you work for them everything is under the telescope like uh so like i said the me too movement that's coming that's not gonna be for a while that might be another 10 years in the making but you know there's plenty of people that would have plenty to be pissed off about uh and one thing, just in, in closing, too, because we we're talking about the abduction phenomenon. What's aggravating to these people are being uh, abducted is that they're not just being watched and abducted by these entities, is that they're taken and being watched by humans, which mm -hmm. seem to be working for these governments. They are government cars. Um, I've had one gentleman, um, Barry, who came on, and he's an investigator himself. On his way to go investigate a case, he's being followed by these weird vehicles and all of a sudden 45 minutes went by and he's driving in the opposite direction he has no idea where those 45 minutes went and it was Whoa. nobody else around him but those cars uh it's the same thing with uh, the gentleman who worked uh with narcap so these people it's like their governments or whoever it is these organizations are aware of the people who are being taken repeatedly they yeah. themselves are doing experiments on these people because i think they're trying to figure out the fuck are they doing with these people uh so it's a double whammy because how are these people supposed to come out now and tell you oh i get taken uh every once in a while out of reality but it seems more real and i'm going to come back here people mess with me and 
you know, you get missing time. Uh, they ransack my house. Uh, it's a fucking nightmare. When I'm saying there's a Me Too movement coming, it is. You're talking about thousands of people that have gone through this worldwide, right? In and ten years is nothing. Think about compared to how long we've been waiting for anything. Yeah, it's just too bad that over the last. Yeah, 40. it's just too bad that so many people had to die or yeah. uh, be kept in horrible circumstances to mm -hmm. keep this a secret as long as it has. Yeah. Right. But like I said, stuff like this, interviews like this, podcasts like yours, covering the subject. I haven't seen that in a long time and to see or at all to tell the truth this is like unprecedented and just the community alone like even for me to you know send out I'm nobody and I'm Joe Blow nobody knows me from me you know, I sent out some emails like hey would you come on a podcast and like sure <laughs> like the fact that these people are even giving me like a moment of their time is like holy shit like you know That's ask great. me when I was 15 when I'm reading their books if I ever thought I'd be able to talk with them for an hour and right it and and like with with you i started listening to your show because i'm trying to find good ufo podcasts and there's a lot of shitty ones and there's some good ones and when you find one that is really doing new things and talking about stuff that's developing those are the ones that i i gravitate to so the fact that you are willing to come talk to me on oh, this dumb show yeah, anytime. Or I swear all the time. Anytime. And <laughs> and like I said, it's this the discussion. If I'm receiving that from other people, and it's a problem with ufology, but if if they're being that kind to me, I have to be that kind in return. Right? It's reciprocal. Yeah. Uh and unfortunately, like I said, egos, human egos kick in into ufology as much as anything else. And it's hard. You gotta keep yourself balanced and in check. It's easy for you to go, oh, oh wow, it's how many downloads I got this month. <laughs> oh, yeah, but you realize yeah. it's not about the downloads. It's mm -hmm. about how many people are getting the information or how many people are paying attention enough to what you're saying to see value in it. Um, and that really to me, that, that's the only thing that I care about is just saying, hey, you know what? People have responded so well about it and they're getting something out of it as much as I am. Um, job, job done. I'm not making any money doing this but i feel great you know and i, I want to keep doing it exactly yeah. for this right yeah it, it it doesn't matter and you're doing a great job and thank you so much i gotta this go decompress <laughs> and just let this just, you know just drink over the kitchen sink just <laughs> yeah <laughs> i had no idea smoke it so much <laughs> I, I, it goes so deep uh, the ceiling is that's so why high. my wife glazes over sometimes i just realize like shit all this stuff she has to listen to me blabber on all day like just <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's great stuff man it's awesome the uh uap studies podcast fucking pay attention jason gilmott thank, hey, you, thank so you for much. having me on <laughs> i know that's not really your slogan fucking pay attention it should be it should be <laughs> <laughs> are you paying attention the uap studies podcast wherever finer podcasts are downloadable which is everywhere right that pretty much except apple they're making it difficult so they're being weird now. it's so hard to get your podcast on apple it didn't used like to you, be it i got in way early like you know when we just did a feed and stuff uh, i started now it's a like long no time. you need an account here and you need to create this account yeah to get a number and then you meet a guy behind a wendy's parking lot at 3 a.m in the morning and he'll take <laughs> you to a car who will take you to another site it's like fuck i just want to post my website <laughs> right. or my podcast yeah 
I snuck in the back door before they uh, started making money off of other services. And so I was lucky. Spotify is where everyone goes, so that's where they can find you. That's where I listen to you. So uh, thanks again, Jason. This was so educational. Hey, anytime, my man. Let's talk in the summer after the big June thing. See oh, bring it on. Yeah, I'd love to. All right, man. Talk to you then. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that at least half as much as I did. Ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you listening as always. If you want to help this podcast out, we don't need your money. Just leave a rating uh, on whatever podcast provider you listen to this on. Follow us on Instagram at Pop Talking Aliens. Or uh, if it's YouTube, you know, leave a like, maybe hit subscribe. Do the things that make computers know that you like the show. Thanks very much. Cue the hot chick. Pop Talk and Aliens, the William Clear Podcast.